soul, you're stuck. You fall into a sin, you then feel bad, after which you repent. But then after a while, you're drawn back into the sin once again. You can't help it, you feel awful. What do you do? How do you get out of this vicious sin cycle and return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's coming up in today's episode of the Deanspiration Podcast Show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Deanspiration Podcast, your on-the-go source of spiritual pick-me-ups, inspirational reminders and more. Featuring special guests from around the world. Don't forget to visit deanspiration.com where you'll find lots of high value, easy to implement tips, tricks, and tools for your dean with free downloads, video content, blogs, and more. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. To all of you awesome listeners out there, welcome to episode 10 of the Deanspiration podcast show. As always, it's your boy Usman and truly from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for tuning into the show today. If it's your first time, welcome. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud to get more shows and find more episodes inshallah and if you're already a listener and you're coming back thank you so much welcome back may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless each and every single one of you all now alhamdulillah today's episode is pretty awesome and actually features a topic that I know all of us can relate to And that is falling into a sin over and over again and perhaps even losing hope in ourself which ultimately leads to bad tawbah or bad repentance. And we forget just how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually is. So joining me on the show today is Sheikh Abdul Hamid who mashallah smashed this episode today. Sheikh and I have actually been working on three shows just in the past couple of weeks for you guys. The second show which is coming out soon is about spiritual steroids and you'll find out what that means during that episode. And the third is very interesting but also very crucial episode about mental health and how we Muslims should approach the topic. So be sure to look out for those and again hit that all important subscribe button. Okay now as always before we get into the juicy part of the show there's a couple of things that I've got to do. Firstly I want to give a shout out to today's sponsor then we go straight into the ayah of the day then it's going down inshallah with today's topic. Actually, first, I want to read out this week's iTunes review of the week. Now, mashallah, some of you have left lovely reviews about this show on the iTunes store. And yes, I read every single one of them and actually love to read them out here on the show for everyone to hear. So, iTunes user Focho, I'm not sure what that's short for, pretty cool name, but they say, Great podcast by an excellent host, 
thank you. Um, really enjoying the guests and conversations. Very beneficial, subhanAllah. Dear Mr. or Mrs. Focho, um, thank you so much for your amazing review and also everybody else who's left a review as well. Guys, if you enjoy the show, do head on over to iTunes hit that five star button and leave a positive comment because it does help the show to reach even more people. All right, so now let me give a shout out to today's sponsor, which is the Muslim Box Company. Now, they are an innovative contemporary Muslim brand founded on the prophetic principles of generosity, sharing and gift giving. Now, what these guys do is they're passionate about carefully sourcing and selecting the best handcrafted, high quality products to pack into their signature premium gift boxes. And they use the leading and original brands from the Muslim world and they create these unique kind of packages that you can offer to a loved one as a gift. And actually this past Sunday, uh, one of my friends got married, a dear friend to me, and I gifted him with a product they have called the Sunnah box. And mashallah, he liked it a lot. So guys, do head on over to deanspiration.com forward slash muslim box and the guys over there have been kind enough to give you guys a 10% discount using the code dean10 all right this is for the deanspiration listeners head on over to deanspiration.com forward slash muslim box and enter dean10 when you get to the checkout all right, now it's time to get straight into one of my favorite parts of the show, which is the ayah of the day. And today's ayah is from chapter or surah Az-Zumar, which is surah number 39 in the Quran, ayah number 53. <laughs> لا تقنطوا لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. Now, wallahi, this is one of my favorite verses in the Quran. There's so much hope. In this ayah, which translates to say, Say, O my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, it is He who is the forgiving, the merciful. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that no matter how much we sin, how big it is, how small it is, whether it's every day, every other day, whether it's once or a million times, there's always a chance to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to repent to Him and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most certainly, so easily and so eagerly will wipe away that sin in an instant as if it wasn't even there. 
Subhanallah. Now, speaking of sinning, guys, let's get straight into the topic for today, which is all about the sin cycle with Sheikh Abdul Hamid. A fantastic show. Do listen carefully. Here goes. Alright guys, now let's get straight into the show and I want to welcome on our guest for today who is Sheikh Abdul Hamid. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. How's it going? Are you okay? Alhamdulillah, I'm good man, not too bad. Alhamdulillah, I just uh, broke my leg early in the week. So I'm just resting <laughs> up at home <laughs> during my Easter holiday. Whatever left I've got of it before going back to school. Wow. Well, as a teacher, not as a student, for those who are listening. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I pray that Allah uh, fixes your leg. Um, I mean, uh, I mean. uh, for those listening, uh, myself and Sheikh were joking before that um, it was a sign from Allah that you know his leg broke just in time for the podcast to be recorded because now, mashallah, <laughs> he's free and he has time yeah, to exactly. record. We were scheduled quite a few, and I was just traveling place to place, and we couldn't meet. Gonna schedule a time. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Not for the leg, but for the show. <laughs> Even for the leg, alhamdulillah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, as you know, uh, today we're talking about the sin cycle, whether it's uh, a sin of the eyes, of the mouth, of the ears, or your actions. The sin cycle that a lot of people go through is they end up falling for a sin or committing a sin. They then uh, make tawbah, they regret committing that sin. Then for a while they're okay, things are great, chilling. And then for some reason they start the process of falling back into the sin once again. They commit the sin, they repent, feel bad, and then the cycle repeats. And this is what we call the sin cycle. And inshallah today, uh, Sheikh's going to help us understand more about why this happens, uh, a deeper kind of understanding and also how to get out of it. So first of all, um, Sheikh, you've talked about the fact that there's different types of sins and you also mentioned something called a third party sin too. So yeah. before we even uh, get into the kind of deeper part of this show, let's just clarify what types of sins there are out there first. Okay, so if you can imagine this uh, like a triangle. so. And if you put God at the top of the triangle and then you put yourself on one corner of the triangle and you put other people on the other side of the triangle. And this triangular relationship is really interesting when it comes to the idea of sin. So when Allah prohibits particular actions within the Quran and those things which are haram, I mean, there's no difference of opinion. I mean, these things are clear cut in the Quran. They explicitly mention, for example, uh, not missing your prayer. So in the Quran, Allah condemns such people. Mm. Those who refuse to give zakah, those who drink, those who gamble, those who engage in zina. These are like the major sins. Now, when in any when anybody engages in these major sins, then your relationship with God becomes, in a sense, we can say disconnected or it becomes weak, the signal. Uh, and that's your relationship directly with God. So that's that's those types of sins. And again, those kind of sins, as as human beings, even the whole concept of sin is, is interesting. Before we go into explaining what third party means here is every single human being commits a sin. And I think that's what makes us human, right? That's the thing between jinns and human beings, that we commit sin. Angels are robotic. Uh, they're programmed to do things. There's thousands of billions of millions of angels just engaging in istighfar, uh, sending salawat upon the Prophet. So Act upon God's commands. Uh, but what makes humans and jinns very different to angels is that we have this ability to differentiate between what's right and wrong. 
this yeah. uh, this innate disposition, and we have this idea of ethics and being able to choose. So, as as by default, as human beings, we can make wrong choices in life, and and God totally acknowledges that. And that's why in the Hadith of the Messenger of God, He says, "Kullu bani Adam khata'un wa khair al khata'ina tawabun." That every son of Adam is a persistent khata'un. Khata just means to mess up and make a mistake. But khata'un, which is a hyperbole, is you continuously mess up. Like you're just tripping continuously. You just make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. <laughs> but then the messenger of God in the last part of this hadith is that the best of those sinners are the ones who repent. And we'll be getting to that, inshallah, towards the end. Uh, but the idea that as human beings, we sin. And that's absolutely normal. Part of our belief is that the only perfect beings are Prophets والسلام, who are human beings And we hold them in high esteem But even Prophets والسلام, uh, Within the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Also highlights some of their shortcomings uh, In regards to particular actions Obviously we don't believe that the Prophets sin But for example if we see the idea of Musa السلام, Punching the, 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 the individual the, the Coptic at the time of Fir'aun uh, We have the likes of uh, Ibrahim السلام, making a promise to his father That he couldn't keep up with what we class as an equivocation uh, that he will do istighfar for his father which he couldn't do for different reasons uh, we have the idea of uh, Isa Islam in the Quran who's going to be raised on the day of judgment and God will ask him did you, and you, did you tell people to take you and your mom as gods besides me now obviously we don't believe that this is sinful on behalf of Jesus السلام, but the idea of God's going to hold people responsible like okay what do you have to say about this so, and, and, and that's Prophet to a very high standard. And obviously we are below even the Prophet. So it's, it's natural for us sometimes to, to screw up, to mess up, to, to struggle. I'm not justifying sin, but I'm, we have to understand that it's part of human nature to sin. So mm. understanding the idea of sin is then that relationship between us and God. So if you don't, if you don't pray your salah and stuff, that's just you and God, right? If you're not giving a zakat, that's you and God. Uh, if you're drinking, gambling, that's you and God. Uh, and you, the only way you can seek God's forgiveness is by asking Him for forgiveness directly and, and meaning it. And we'll get into far later on too, inshallah. But the third party sin is, gets more interesting. And for my students, we call this the, uh, the, the leaking bucket syndrome, the leaky bucket syndrome, where you think that you have so much water in your bucket and you can fill as much as you want to the top, to the brim at the top. But there's a small hole. A time comes where every part of that water will, will go past that hole mm. and your bucket will be empty. But it's almost, in a sense, delusional to think that you have a full bucket. It's only for a short duration. And what this means is when it comes to our good actions. So we pray salah, we'll give zakah, we'll go for hajj. We'll do all of this stuff, grow the beard with hijab, fast during Ramadan. And we think that we're righteous and pious, this idea of religiosity. But we have a we have a hole in our game. We have a hole in our bucket of good deeds. And it's just seeping through, seeping through, seeping through until you deplete it and have nothing. And that's third party sin where somebody else is also part of that sin. Mm. For example, a simple basic example is somebody's money, right? Went in business with somebody, things didn't work out. I know I've wronged someone and I take their money. Now, you can or you, you can pray tajud all night long. Like you can hit the musalla night after night after night. And that's fine, your relationship with God. But God doesn't forgive you until this person forgives you. And you have yeah. to give the money back and make amends. 
the same thing of what we call, I think this is a really important sin, is is riba, right? backbiting, third-party sin. Yeah. Where, where you can be praying five times a day, everything you're doing on time, but when it's your opportunity to, when you're just sitting with friends, and this includes being on WhatsApp, maybe taking somebody's picture and sharing on a group or without their permission, or it's in, in any sense offensive or derogatory, on Skype, trolling somebody on YouTube comments or on Facebook <laughs> or even in, in in person like you're sitting and you and you're talking about somebody else in their absence. So the Prophet coins the definition of riba, backbiting is uh, to re, to refer to something or to mention something about your brother that he would dislike. Mm. Meaning you don't say something behind someone's back, they wouldn't like it. And some people say so I'll say it to his face. Well for that person you have no other but all that's even worse. So these are these are third party sins, and I think for somebody who's smart, somebody who's intelligent, is if you have your third party sin covered up and you're on the ball and you try your best not to engage in that kind of sin, then there's more chances of you going to paradise because Allah can overlook your other mistakes because that's between you and God than somebody who who's doing all the things God expects him to do on 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 the surface of it, but continuously is harming other people. And these people won't, 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 I mean, you won't be forgiven until these people forgive you. So it's kind of shocking for somebody to do that. If I can just add two more quick points is, mm-hmm. two quick points is, if you look at the example of our Salaf al-Salihin, our pious predecessors, I mean, some, of the, 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 some of the comments they make when you read it are just mind-boggling. Where they say that if I was to ever, ever, ever engage in riba, backbiting, I'd rather speak ill of my own mother. Some say this has been attributed to Imam Hanifa. Again, that's disputed, but the comment is amazing. Because if I was to ever engage in riba, I'd rather speak ill of my own mother. I mean, like I'd rather backbite my own mom. Mm. And the students like, man, what the heck? Why would you? <laughs> why would you backbite about your own mother? Because, because my mother is the most deserving of my deeds. If I was foolish and foolish enough to give Allah. them to someone else, the whole concept, the whole perspective was just so different. It's just insane. And then one final thing on the hadith of the Messenger of God, where so talks about somebody, this is mentioned Muslim, is where somebody will have mountain loads of good deeds, mountain loads. And this dude will be thinking, man, I have to be going paradise. Like I'm so going paradise. And then somebody will come in the presence of God. And even in our Fatiha, we pray the 17 times a day. Maliki God is like the sovereign, like the master. He owns the day of deen here means retribution, like when you sue each other. That's all it literally means. To sue one another, and you'll be in the presence of God, and and a claimant will come, and people will then try to sue you because of third-party sins, and the currency of the hereafter is good deeds. You know, when you go bureau exchange, I know the pound ain't worth much anymore, but you know when you go before you go abroad somewhere, and and you tra- transfer your currencies, and the akhirah, I mean, the exchange rate is just good deeds only, and if somebody successfully sued you in the presence of God. Then your good deeds get transferred onto that person's account faster than online banking, <laughs> which is pretty insane when you think about it. Yeah, scary concept, Subhanallah. It is. It is absolutely. So this is really interesting. It's the first time I've actually um, been taught the uh, meaning of deen in this context as actually suing someone. But it makes so much sense because the ultimate judge is Allah. And obviously we watched a lot of TV and Netflix and the guy jumps in the docks. Your honor, this guy did this to me. I want my compensation. But on Yawmul Qiyamah, that is the ultimate compensation, subhanAllah. And you've been watching Suits, right? 
Uh, do you know what? Actually, I don't watch that. Um, I'm I'm very uh, <laughs> I'm very careful with what I consume. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So now you mentioned uh, as part of this triangle hashtag no Illuminati um, that there is you and God. Yeah. So let's say people are really amazing friends and they have you know their their third party is clean right but for whatever reason whether it's lack of taqwa lack of iman people actually don't uh, value or don't really un- understand or the weight of their connection with Allah there's this kind of concept of you know as as human beings we don't see something so we don't be- we don't not believe it but don't take it as seriously it doesn't impact us as much right um so somebody can't physically see their book of bad deeds being written on somebody can't physically see the uh, uh you know the impact of their sin so why just before we get into again the the kind of uh deeper part of this conversation and then the solutions why is it so important to understand you know staying away from sin and actually how does sinning continuously like this without any regard actually affect our ultimate connection with our lord um you know in the long run okay so i mean there's so many questions that you pose that it's not just one question but let's break it down uh, first of all why do people engage in this kind of stuff and then how does it affect you long term and why do people become so short-sighted and by short-sighted i mean where your vision and your focus is only to this dunya but you become blindsided when it comes to the Akhra. So that's yeah. what I mean by short-sighted. I've thought about this question, honestly. I mean, I've thought about this question for the last 10, 11 years, man. Like, what the heck? Why are we so messed up? Like, why do people <laughs> do the things? And I'm thinking about myself. I'm not saying like other people are listening. Like, even everyone sins. Like, why do I do this? Why do I do that? And my background is in psychology and theology. And putting the two together, this is just my observation. I've come to a conclusion that I I think is just a lack of conviction. I, I think people are not as convinced or are aware as a lack of that conviction of them being accountable. And if you even make it down, even bring it more simple is like, how much do you actually believe in the Akhirah? Like genuinely, like obviously we say we 1.7 billion Muslims will believe in Akhirah and the rest of it. But like, mm. I asked this question, I was like, like, do you really believe in it? Like, do you believe there's heaven? Do you think there's hell? Do you think, I mean, do you, are you convinced that God even exists? I know these are really like fundamental philosophical questions, which you're like, I think that's another whole podcast. But yeah. in the Quran, in Baqarah, Allah says, وَبِلْ آخِرَتِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ These are the opening verses of, of Baqarah. Opening verses. وَبِلْ آخِرَتِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ Allah says that those who are successful, those who are believers, are they are absolutely convinced of the Akhirah. They're convinced of the hereafter. Mm. And I, I believe you're not, you're not necessarily born with the conviction. Obviously, we believe that a child is born in that prim, primordial state like that with the fitrah, the aboriginal state. Yeah. But you've got to build that conviction. And if you take the example of, um, I mean, I was, when I was reading Baqarah and I'm reading Tafsir, I've been studying Tafsir for years with my teachers and, and different books. And when we have the example of uh, Ibrahim, salam, right, in the Quran, I'm talking about conviction here, being convinced. He asks God, God, show me how you bring something that's dead back to life again. Like, how do you resurrect something? So then God says to him, Like, don't you believe that you're asking for such a thing? And then this response is just mind-blowing. He goes, God, I'm only asking you for the contentment of my heart. And what this means is that 
you know, just to feel at ease and to be fully convinced of the reality of the Akhirah and God's power. Yeah. And this is somebody who's directly, he's a prophet of God. I'm not saying we're doubting his conviction. Obviously, we're not. He's, he, he, his level of conviction is to the highest, to the nth degree. But if a prophet still asks for such a thing, then imagine the average person. Yeah. And for us, to build that conviction comes back to the Quran. Uh, for me, it's just, obviously, it's on a side point, but that conviction can only be built by understanding the scripture itself. Actually understanding, not just reciting it, but understanding the scripture. So when people engage in sin, I would question that maybe the the the, the conviction and the awareness and the understanding of the hereafter may be hitting at a very low level depending on the sins that you're engaged in. Mm. Now, if you're doing stuff that, okay, you just done it by mistake and you kind of just messed up. I mean, that's okay. You're still convinced, but you need to be on your ball. But if somebody's just continuously harming people, not praying your salah, you don't really care about the akhirah or, you know, I'm just chilling, I'm enjoying my life, then I would really question that person's faith. Uh, I'm not saying we should go, go around and say you're Muslim or nothing. I'm not saying that. I'm just, this is like introspective questions where we start questioning ourselves like, man, why am I doing this? So that's how I look at levels of why people then engage in sin. You know, uh, you're right. Long- yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say you're, you're right because I noticed myself as well that, um, you know, when things get really busy as as they do with everyone in life and you know back to back work with with after work activities if you're parents you have kids and for some reason you know those uh, dust specks may Allah forgive her start falling on the Quran we don't touch it for a couple of weeks and in that couple of weeks it's like shaitan has a party in our brain like you know we we don't connect with the Quran we don't sit in the halaqah after salah in the masjid and then what happens is from my uh, you know experience is that dunya just hits gets in the way and for whatever reason these doubts just start to enter your mind so if I don't connect with the Quran as you said and look into the tafsir I actually myself as well start to get these doubts. I'm standing in the salah. I'm actually praying to Allah. I'm like halfway through Fatiha. And this thought will come to me like, is is the Akhirah actually real? It's not like I that's I'm I'm doubting it. It's a you know, it's a unconscious thought that comes to me, but they come there because I, I have not sat with the Book of Allah. And when when the Book of Allah is opened, and especially in the presence of people who can teach you some of these ayat just hit you straight in the face like you know when Allah uh, challenges us and Allah gives us clear cut signs so I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that now what if people um, you know I want to go into this concept of um, we've talked about people who just aren't convinced but what if people are convinced however the, the habits that they have you know uh gotten into are the reason for them falling back into sin now i was taught a concept that you know everyone has uh a kind of you know we have everyone's got a gin with them but that kind of influences bad but we have also uh, a force of good that encourages us towards doing good deeds now what i was taught was that when you first commit a sin you feel you feel bad about it or if you let's say are late for salah 
you get that reminder, that voice in your head that says you should really go and pray. But the more you commit that sin, the easier it becomes to actually do it without feeling bad. And the more that you ignore that voice that says go to pray, it will actually stop coming to you. And you'll become like this kind of, you know, autopilot, um, as if a veil has been put over your heart kind of thing. And sinning just becomes like normal. And you convince yourself that I'm a bad Muslim anyway. Yallah, let's just go and do something haram because what's what's the point, right? So is this something you've also noticed as a pattern between people? And um, is there a kind of a way to get out of that mindset? Absolutely. I mean, I noticed that in myself, let alone noticing in people, regardless of how much you study. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to the point is that when God's talking about like actions and, and you, so you are convinced, but then you kind of still kind of fall into the idea of the sin cycle is, so when Allah talks about actions, he always couples it with another word, those who believe and those who do good actions. Because if you just, if you claim to believe, then you need to back up that belief. Actions are just a manifestation of that belief. I think it's a really important to appreciate. Your actions are a manifestation of what's on the inside. And if the inside is in place, then what your actions are is just a, just a confirmation and a testimony of that conviction. Mm. And when, when, as human beings, when we engage in sin, uh, we, we sometimes have to, again, question. So you believe in the Akhirah and stuff, but like, how much are you aware? Then it's the idea of istihdar. The real reason is people just absolutely lack self-discipline. You know, I've, after reading tafsir and, and going through this and hadith and Man, if I was to if I was to like summarize the whole Quran into like one word, really, and I think about this a lot, especially for my students, is and for myself is it just comes back to the Quran is talking about self-discipline, self-control, mm-hmm. which we refer to as taqwa. And a lot of the time when you refer to as taqwa is fear of Allah, fear of Allah. I think that's a really bad translation. Uh, the word comes from the idea of abstaining to keeping yourself safe. Uh, the idea of shield is also used in there to protect yourself. But fear is just one part of it. But real consciousness is you just tuned on. You just tuned on. And that's the reasons, like, all the things that we do in life, like, why you have to pray five times a day. In fact, I know I've been touring the UK and different parts. They're just doing salah courses. Not on fiqh of nothing, but just, like, how your salah is supposed to impact you spiritually by understanding what you're reciting. That's mm-hmm. why you're praying five times a day. So imagine you're praying five times a day and you're saying, Maliki al-Middin, God's going to hold you to account for every single one of your actions. And then you go back to sinning. Like There's something messed up in your prayer. Yeah. As a result that people are engaging. In and that, every aspect, like, the whole idea of dhikr, like what the reason why you do dhikr is not necessarily just to go through emotion robotically, but to actually say, no, I'm actually conscious at this stage that God is the greatest. He's the greatest thing in my life. I, I I thank God for everything that has graced me and given me and bestowed upon me. But this idea of awareness and this consciousness and this istihdar. So when there's a disconnect between what we refer to in, in psychology as, a, as, as a cognitive dissonance, where you believe something, but your actions are contradicting that belief, then there's, there's, there's this, I would say at a higher level, it can result in hypocrisy. But at a lower level as human beings, we really need to start questioning ourselves in our understanding. And again, this is it's absolutely common. But that's why we have things in our daily life that God gives us, like supplements. Like, like you know how vitamins and stuff people take? Like your spiritual supplements is prayer, your salah, right? 
uh, you know, make sure that you have fasting or you have a whole month just to like reboot yourself. And people go on juice diets <laughs> to reboot themselves physiologically. Yeah. But your, your Ramadan is like, man, it's supposed to hit you. How much of, how much spirituality you gain in that month is supposed to help you for the rest of the 11 months. Mm. When you're giving zakah and you're thinking, oh, man, I'm not just paying somebody off and writing a check here, but man, I'm thinking about bigger things in life. Like people are struggling and I got to also purify my love of wealth in my heart for these things. So, Really is, I'd refer to this as spiritual intelligence. I'm writing a book on this too. Spiritual intelligence is trying to draw deeper meaning in everything that's around you. When you are thinking at that level, then you are so conscious and aware of your actions that can result in sin that you stop yourself from engaging in that sin. As a result, you've just displayed self-discipline, which is called taqwa. So mm-hmm. even though you believe in God, but then you, that spirituality is supposed to build up at a higher level of taqwa. And you progress in that understanding, in that awareness, in that consciousness. And that then is manifest and reflected in every aspect of your life. Mm. Now, there are some people, though, who latch on to one idea and use that idea to justify what they do or to kind of, you know, um, they, they're they in this kind of uh, space of just denial all the time. But for example, yeah. let's say someone will use Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Ghafoor, Al-Ghafar. Oh, Allah is the most merciful. Allah will forgive me, right? So yeah. they know that what they're doing is bad. But they kind of abuse this idea that because Allah is all merciful and his mercy is greater than my sin, then my sin isn't that bad Anyway, so what would you say to those people? Yeah, so I would say what the Quran says. So I just, again, there's so many examples, but this one example in the Fatiha, because everyone recites it all the time is, so God is Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, and straight away after that, what does it say? Malik Yawmiddin. God is so loving, so compassionate, so caring, so forgiving. But I also own the day where everyone's going to sue each other too. So <laughs> don't mess up, Right. And in the Quran, Allah said, Like, what's deluded you in regards to God's generosity? Wow. Like, you know, if somebody, like, somebody's in front of you and, and you keep on giving them, like, a jab and you keep on punching them, punching them, and say, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And you keep on punching them. Like, your sorry means nothing if you don't stop what you're doing. Yeah. And, and what we do is just like, Oh, you know, astaghfirullah, 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 continuously, just like a verbal utterance and an absolute unconscious awareness or this lack of consciousness. Uh, from our actions that we just uh, we continuously engaging in the sense of God is extremely merciful, caring, compassionate, but at the same time he's swift study al hisab, he's swift in reckoning, he's aziz and dun he can avenge you for your sins, uh, retribution holds people to account, punish people, he can, I mean he he, he can uh, abase people, right? All of these things are so Islam kind of draws this perfect equilibrium between these two extremes where God is compassionate and loving, but at the same time, you've got to be aware. And that's what Iman is. Like I was saying, idea of taqwa earlier, it's not just a fear. That Iman is between, bain al-khawf al-raja, is Iman is between fear and hope. Mm. That you don't have so much hope in God, so much hope in God, that Allah talks about, for example, the Christian community, and this Good Friday, so it's quite relevant, is... Where they said in the Quran that نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهُ وَحِبَّاءُ We we God's children and God loves us so much. So Allah responds to that قُلْ فَلِمَ تُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذَنُوبِكُمْ God says to them is then why do I punish you for your sins then if I like love if I love you so much yeah like you're yeah. still engaging in sin. So the idea and at the same time 
God can overlook every single one of our mistakes if we sincerely repent and, and realize that we just messed up. And I'm going to try my best to the best of my ability not to engage in that sin. At the same time, you don't think that God is so all about punishment. And I think that's another problem people have. People have this really negative uh, perception of God. Is that it's just punishment after punishment after punishment. Like you don't pray so loud, you just burn in hell for like, like yeah. barbecue chicken for 70,000 years. And <laughs> if I don't do this, then this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. Like, dude, chill out. Like, you know, and I think our masajids and our imams and man, it's just negativity after negativity. When I think of, when I think of like not praying a salah, for example, it's not about, okay, I'm going to pray because I'm scared I'll get punished. But I'm thinking if I don't pray, how many good deeds will I be deprived of? Yeah, so it's changing yeah. that mindset. It's changing that positivity, and I it's think, like you're robbing yourself of the exactly. opportunity to be with Allah, right? Yeah, and that's why I read something so profound. Again, this is slightly on the side point, but I just mention is for me this like blew me away. I say this for almost everything I read, but my students <laughs> also say this is I was reading this, and Ibn Arabi mentions this amazing point. He said the big, biggest punishment in the hereafter is not people going to hell, even that even for eternity. But the biggest punishment is for them to be absent from the presence of God. Yeah, Allah. and people being in hell is just a byproduct of that. Wow, may Allah save us from this. Wallahi. Yeah, that's just like yeah, exactly. So it makes you really like re- like recalibrate your whole thought process of how we even perceive sin and understand sin. That is that is mind blowing. Uh, and you're right, it's just a mind shift change and subhanAllah the past few episodes have kind of mentioned that as well and I'm I'm so happy that this is a recurring theme because even myself, like I've talked about this in, in a previous episode that since the beginning of 2017, yeah, my work ethic is quite strong, I would say, um, you know, like yourself, you train, I saw you in the gym in a picture with a broken foot, mashallah, um, so your work ethic is there, you have, you have drive and, and passion but at the beginning of this year, I just made a decision that this year I am going to become a beast, not just uh, physically, but in terms of Dean, in terms of, yeah. you know, just working nonstop, um, you know, and just being the best possible version exactly. of myself. And that requires but You sacrifice. know what my students call that? We call it hashtag spiritually hench. Spiritually hench. That's a new one. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Unleash yeah. that beast in you. Mashallah, that's going to be the next episode. Uh, how to become spiritually hench? Download your yeah. free, uh, free program. <laughs> okay, okay. So we've we've kind of given a really hench introduction <laughs> into into sin. Let's, inshallah, for the next half or the next quarter or whatever of this show, um, talk about the actual idea of, uh, uh, you know, what happens when you get that temptation, how to fight it the idea and concept of tawbah, how to make it, how to move on from a sin. And then inshallah, there's actually a couple of questions um, at the end as well uh, from people who listen to the show. So now let's just get straight into, let's say, a typical scenario. Okay, so somebody is in the sin cycle, they do something regularly, um, whatever that sin might be, it could be they they have a girlfriend or you know they watch pornography or they drink alcohol or something uh you know they they want to reform themselves but the temptation is is knocking on them right now so let's say they're at home they're in the room alone mom says i'll be back in half an hour i have to go and buy some new chicken and you're in your room alone 
with the laptop and fresh fiber optic Wi-Fi with soundproof walls and a good pair of headphones, right? Now that's temptation right there. And this person already is struggling. You know, prime teenage years, hormones are bursting at Damn. this moment in time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the description. You're setting I'm, the scene, man. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a family podcast, I promise. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just giving you like an extreme example, which to be honest, I don't think is quite extreme. I think this it's is common. quite common. It's common. So this is currently happening to, let's say, brother... Uh, Jamal, sorry for all the Jamals out there. Uh, what a typical name, subhanAllah. Okay, but the Jamal is, uh, he's fighting with himself. So he knows it's haram, but slowly but surely he's opening up the laptop. Now, he knows that watching pornography is haram. So what he convinces himself of is that, look, I won't actually watch the video. I won't actually go on the website, but I'll just uh, do something that is the lesser of the evil. So what he's doing is kind of starting to convince himself slowly that what I'm doing is actually okay. He does that thing, whatever it may be, that he thinks is okay, but now the temptation to get the real thing is really building up. There's still a good 20 minutes before his mom comes back. What in this moment should he do? Because he's about to re-engage, re-fall into the yeah. sin cycle. I mean, this is a particular example of somebody in watching or looking at filthy, immoral kind of material or pornography. And now it's just even accessible on your mobile phone. Huge pandemic issue. And I'd actually do Friday khutbahs on this one because I don't think the imams even talk about it enough. I'll mm. be mentioning that point, but also generally other examples that can also fit in when somebody's engaged in the sin cycle. Also is, you got to sit down first of all on a pen and paper, and I genuinely mean this, like sit down. And like if you want a physical diet and you want to, for example, lose weight, right? Yeah. You'd be looking at, okay, how many fats are there in your unhealthy uh, saturated fats in your diet how many carbs are you consuming what's the protein intake what's what's the sugar like in your and you're going to start looking at now people have those kind of apps that you can look at uh, and see how many calories like, yeah that you have the same approach when it comes to the spiritual diet you gotta look at okay right i want to get spiritually hinged uh, my connection with god is weak what i do what do i need to do spiritually i'm i'm, I'm weak i'm malnourished spiritually even though physically i'm in shape look at those Top three things this year that you want to just cut down on totally. If it's just getting up to no good with, with girls or girls getting up to no good with boys or whatever it is, just top three things. And once you've got them, look at, okay, right, sin, pornography. What is the stimulus around me? What's the stimuli that in, which is in my social surrounding? What What's the triggers? And you should be aware of what the trigger points are. So, for example, in this example of pornography is if the trigger points is that you're home alone Literally, and uh, when you're on the computer, you get you, you do that. So you got to figure out is that how can you not be alone? How can the laptop not be alone in your room, and and try to keep it your computer in a public space or your laptop work downstairs because you know that if you are in your room, it leads it's a chain reaction from one thing to another, and before you know it, you fall into the same mistake again. So you got to check out your stimulus, what it is, yeah. and then work backwards from there. And try to eliminate as many of those stimulus in your surrounding uh, for you able to overcome it, and and that's how you can how you can stop yourself. Otherwise, once that first chain kind of kicks off, it just has a reaction to the rest of it. So you're alone, then you start watching laptop, and then okay, you now I'm just checking what's up on Facebook, and then you start looking at I don't know if you start looking at images even on Facebook. 
that you're not supposed to, and then you just like one thing to another, and then you know you just psychologically just it's inevitable, in. yeah. right? And also, like for example of pornography, there's some interesting studies that have been done that it's similar to somebody who is uh, addicted to uh, cocaine, where the neurotransmitters, the dopamine levels that are released, the neurotransmitters in your brains that reflect somebody's what we refer to happy hormones, the level that it's released. Uh, when somebody is on drugs, is the same neurotransmitters that are released when somebody's watching pornography. And you are actually not addicted to the porn itself. You're, you are addicted to that neurotransmitter in your brain that makes you feel happy, that makes you feel relaxed, mm. makes you feel content. That can be smoking, that can be gambling, that can be zina, that can be anything. And you're just getting from one dopamine hit to another. So what you got to do is figuring out what's actually causing you to do that another thing is also trying to be more busy with your time and engaging yourself i know it's hard like you can do all the good things but all of a sudden it's just at night time where it kind of kicks in so if it even if it's in your phone now you don't need laptop on your mobile phone make sure your phone is not next to you when you're sleeping if you need the alarm clock i mean go bloody buy alarm clock you don't need your phone right leave your yeah. phone on charge downstairs if you have to if you've got a Samsung, then don't do that either. It'll probably explode. <laughs> <laughs> but keep your phone away in your room from when you, where you're sleeping. Right? Uh, positive thoughts. I also say I would really discourage people from watching things even before they sleep. I mean, the, this whole study in narcolepsy and stuff, which I was reading about recently, of people who suffer, people who sleep like crazy and can't wake up, or those people who suffer from insomnia who can't sleep and continue to stay awake, is... Sometimes looking at flashing images and stuff. So whatever you end up thinking about and watching, sometimes that also comes back at you at you when you are in your subconscious. And then it comes back to your conscious mind and you start thinking about it before you sleep. So then it can lead to other sins. So what I'll do is even before you sleep or just switching off totally, I'm read a book if you have to. Uh, and, and just getting some rest. Mm. All the st- stimuli you have in your surroundings, just keeping them at bay and being aware of the stimuli which will make you aware of the sin that is the end of it and being on your ball like that. So that's the best way I could think. Mm. And that refers to different a good, types. A good technique, mashallah. Yeah, um, I'm just wondering, this might be a, a bit of a deep question but um, or a psychological question, but I'm just wondering this this concept of the dopamine hit, which also um, uh, Ustad Alyas Karmani mentioned in the pornography episode as well, uh, just like you did. Um we, you know, when we watch things like, uh, you know, silly example, bit of a tangent, but things like uh, Discovery Channel or something where uh, the person who's training the animal will uh, discuss how they make certain actions or movements uh, related to pain. So let's say if the animal does something, they get whipped, but if they do something else, they get a treat, right? And so whenever, let's say we we treat the, uh, the, the sin as that dopamine hit, the part that makes them feel good, um, and then other things will make them uh, remember that feeling of pain. Is there some kind of way to, I don't know, let's say trick the mind or train the mind to actually associate this, you know, let's say somebody has written down the stimuli, they're trying to work backwards, but they still keep falling into yeah, that so. same. Can we kind of train the mind to actually feel that that happy uh, feeling, that kind of chemical reaction uh, to something? Yeah, better? absolutely. Let, so this is, I mean, you're referring to like the kind of Pavlov's kind of reaction to to how he coined this whole idea of behavioral psychology of 
in a sense, almost tuning in and changing the way you act and behave by the stimulus that are around you and training yourself psychologically. So you just got to figure out what are positive things that you can do and what you engage in absolutely love doing. And for me is that if it's within the boundaries of Sharia, I'm so doing it. I don't care whether it's like people, like for example, (laughs) I love riding motorbikes. I just love riding bikes. I love my bikes. I love MMA which I just get a huge kick out of doing. There's so much to learn. For me, it's, it's a wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's a Thai boxing, it's kickboxing, whatever it is. That gives me my kick. And I'm, I absolutely love it. So finding that alternatives in your life that you yourself enjoyed. All my mates around me always love football and I've hated football from, from a young age and I even hate watching it. But whatever it is for you, like if you enjoy playing football outside, like something something that is a dopamine kind of hit hormone makes, makes you happy. And most people, if I'm honest... Yeah. Now, I mean, even somebody, somebody suffering from depression, the first thing after most likely a psychologist will give antidepressants, which I would also question if you need them, you need them. But then normally they'll say also is what exercise, what's your like a lifetime routine like? And the first thing they'll say is like, go and hit the gym or go engage in some kind of physical activity that exerts some effort. Yeah. And yeah, you get that same yeah. hit. But you just got to figure out but whatever mm. it is like badminton, tennis, roller skating, rollerblading, ice skating. I mean, go jump off a bloody plane if you have to, <laughs> like whatever, like rocks your boat. But getting those kind of positive kind of things, and also make obviously more, in a sense, more relevant and it's something that you can do continuously. I, I think that would be really, yeah. really positive. I mean, it's, it's helped me massively. Just find another hobby and, and really engage, and you can be absolutely really bad at it, but you're gonna start try to get better. I love. I know a lot of people want to get. It takes up yeah, your time. Yeah, absolutely. But I know a lot of people engage engage in martial arts, but people just don't go to. The, local gyms which is yeah. amazing it's absolutely amazing so just become more obsessed with something else and it's hard but once you get kind of hooked up to it you, you can enjoy it. and it, it is tough and let me tell you it is absolutely tough to be able to, to then program your mind psychologically from one cent to one to something more positive but and and god will reward you in every every step of that effort and every struggle you're getting reward imagine that that you're going through, you're just being rewarded for it. You have to keep on comparing yourself to other people. And God is aware of your struggle that you're engaged in, the predicament that you find yourself in. Uh, but we'll get to istighfar at the end. But just try to create this positive kind of uh, avenues in your life that you can create that same kind of happiness that neurotransmitters are being released. Mm. And it's interesting because from what I remember, of course, um, this one is for the dudes. Like, you know, uh, back to the example of pornography that kind of testosterone that that's the male uh, sex hormone this is the same hormone that we have to be you know have in plentitude for the gym for physical workout right so if you're exerting that energy in something more positive um you know it's gonna i, I think i'm not sure if i have my science mixed up but I, th- I think it's a better use to bench press uh you know a big number of weights Rather than being in my bedroom and, you know, and, and in you fact, know, trying to do Yeah, I would extend things. that even to, obviously, I mean, don't have testosterone, but for women too, to hit the gym and to have the same thing. I mean, because of people being hooked up to, I mean, pornography amongst women is so common too now in terms of the cases I have to, I'm having to deal with. But yeah, I mean, even mm. if it's some women do just hitting that gym, doing the stuff, sometimes, you know, we, we sit in circles. Now, I think I've, I actually, like recently, not recently, but like a few years ago, I had to sit down and think about how I'm spending my day, like 24 hours. And I realized, man, I'm spending a lot of time just chilling with people who really don't bring me much benefit. 
I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm being like, mm. I'm really being like stink or bad saying this, but like, who's bringing a benefit to my life? Like people who are around me. And I read something which was really amazing. Tony Robbins mentions this. Les Brown mentions this. Uh, all of these kind of positive psych- uh, developmental psychologists mention all of this is that you're just an average of the five people that are around you continuously. You are an average yeah. of the five people around you. So if you are continuously around people who are engaging in sin, uh, people who are just drinking all the time, people who are just, their whole purpose in life is to keep on checking girls and go from one girlfriend to another or for a, or, or vice versa. And just, then that's what you end up doing. So you've got to really assess yourself. Like, okay, this is my situation. Let me see what else I can do in my life. Or maybe, uh, maybe I'd rather just chill by myself. Like, Hadith mentions it's better to be alone if you're, than in being in bad company. And company plays a huge part. Mm. But if you can find some decent people, then it's good to be in decent company than bad people. But even sometimes that can even drag you down at times. So just being really savvy and being clever and being aware. Mm. And I want to point out that, you know, you mentioned a second ago that you kind of sound bad. It's, I, w- I would say, look, at first it might sound harsh, but it's really worth it to just eliminate people from your life you're not being harsh i mean think about it if your journey is the is the akhirah and your vision is to get into jannah then if if someone's not going to jump on your your jannah absolutely and you know what it just takes more fuel it takes longer to get there can cause more confusion when it comes to directions right and for me it's not like i'm when i'm eliminating them it's not like when i see them i'm just like grumpy face like you know salam keep it to salam what's happening are you chilling that's cool but i'm saying that like the people you chill with like and you know this is again this is my, my personal life is i realized is that what i do is if i want to talk about things of uh, like psychology and stuff i've got my mates who are academics while i'll chill with that crowd and then if there's people which mm. is a scholarly theological issue i've got a bunch of graduates who i'll chill with them and speak to them if it's hitting the gym, I mean, I've got my gym mates, and these are some of the worst people you ever want to chill with outside the gym. But when I'm in the gym, some of these are like ex-convicts and drug dealers. But you know, I they get, we have like in the gym, that's we we hitting the the weights together. We 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 doing we boxing and sparring. But that's my gym mates, right? So it's not like these guys are around me all the time. I'm actually tapping in to the right areas and people that i want to be and that that's how around. you do it yeah, and there's people who it. i just want to kick back and have a laugh with and there's probably if i'm absolutely honest this i know so many people but probably i can count the amount of friends i have on my hand who if i sit down with them we can have a, such a huge laugh and just brighten my mood and i know these people got my back and probably like three four people and that's how much people yeah, sometimes yeah. get deluded by how many facebook friends you have man if you're in a situation none of these people will help you it's just and your family also like spending time with your family spend time with your mom with your dad i mean, go shopping with them if you have to like it's just do your thing like spend time with your brother or your sister right get to know them read a book mm, i mean people mm. don't read anymore there's so much to do subhanallah so much to do okay let's get let's get back on track inshallah so back to the scenario now uh fantastic method uh barakallah fikum for uh, teaching us the idea of um writing down the stimuli and you know people sometimes get put off by oh this thing again taking a pen it writing it down it's actually gonna help so at least try it before you knock it right now let's say for example the person has now actually fallen into the sin they've committed it now let's go on to the idea of tawbah yeah. right so part of the sin cycle is tawbah now tawbah is interesting because um 
And I'm hoping that you're going to tell me something epic that you read because I want to hear what you have. Um, That's exactly what my Tell me what you read. Like, tell me what you said. You're going to say something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that it's a blessing that Allah has uh, made you a means of uh, dropping these gems because they are they are fantastic. And today's generation is going to tweet them anyway, so it's good. Um, but what I want to say here is that Tawbah is one of those ones where we talked about doubt before of Allah's existence, of Allah's majesty, his his power. But then we also have doubt of Allah's uh, mercy upon us. And we have this concept of, okay, my sin. Okay, yeah, I know that Allah's mercy is bigger than my sin. But I said last time, Ya Allah, I promise I won't do it again. And here I am again with my, you know, hands, uh, my head in my hands crying Um and for some people, actually, as well, uh, they they get some sort of spiritual exhaustion, if we can call it that, where they actually, um, the tawbah becomes less and less as time goes on. So a sister emailed and told us about her addiction to uh, pornography and that afterwards she cries for a bit, but then it just goes away. And actually, in advance she feels guilty because she actually knows that she's going to do it again. So I want to bring up a concept of, let's say we call it being afraid to promise Allah because you actually in your heart are doubting yourself and you know you're going to do it again. So what should our attitude actually be? Um, you mentioned a hadith before about the best of those who commit sins are those who yeah. repent. So perhaps you can allude to that again and just yeah. you know shed so light. So just the last part, inshallah, of this uh, discussion is, like I said, everyone commits uh, sin. So talking about idea of even sometimes forecasting your future sins, and Surah Qiyam, Allah mentions this, but that human beings, uh, they, they also plan ahead the kind of sins that they want to engage in because they know what they're going to do. And God condemns these people in the Quran too. But the hadith of the messenger, this is why God's mercy gets, gets, you have to have an understanding of God's mercy is that the message of Allah is that somebody who seeks forgiveness from God and genuinely repents is like the one who hasn't sinned in the first place. It's like you get a clean mm. slate, like your angels, Karam and Katabin, have this kind of like amnesia, right? They don't they forget, dementia kicks in, they don't, they don't even remember the sin. It's just been wiped away from your slate. Wow. But the idea of control, self-discipline, but uh, the profound thing I read, and again, this is really moving for me, is my teacher used to always say this, and I've also read this, is that as human beings, we can get tired of sinning, but Allah can never get tired of forgiving. So regardless of how much we keep on messing up, I'm not saying this justifies sin, but regardless of how much we keep on kind of messing up, turn back to Allah, keep on turning back to Allah. But the problem is that like you said, the sister said that she cries and then she kind of gets used to it and the, the tears are dry up. What happens is that because of the sin cycle, you, be, you become resistant towards sin. You know, it's like somebody on the cardio who's on the cross trainer or who's just continuously on the uh, jogging on the treadmill. Yeah. Uh, the more you, like you can have a 20 minute cardio session on the treadmill and you can burn, say if you had a decent workout, 200 calories in 20 minutes. Now, your body becomes resistant to that after a few months. Yeah. So you will have to do more of a workout to get the same effect. And the same thing happens in, in, in sins or just generally, is that somebody who takes drugs, for example, they take they smoke like 
two puffs from a spliff and they get high like a kite. And then they need to smoke three spliffs to get the same effect. <laughs> People watch porn and, okay, you know, it had an effect. But then you become resistant to the thing. So you have to watch even more kind of filth and hardcore stuff that kind of messes with you even more. So what we have to be really careful is that that sin cycle is that to get the same hit, you engage more in it. And just to break it off and just cut it out from the roots is, is the, obviously the stuff that we've already spoken about. But regardless of how much you engage in that sin, you have to make it part of your staple that you actually genuinely, genuinely seeking God's forgiveness. And I'm just going to quickly mention a few steps of how to do this. Number one is you stop sinning. You stop engaging in that sin. You know, you meet people who are doing the sin and you're telling them, dude, Man, what the heck? Calm down. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Allah's got for Rahim. Next time I won't do it. Yeah. Like, no, forget next time. I'm stop now. Stop now. Right? You just have to stop. Show some self-discipline. Show some self-control. And number two, then you genuinely do istighfar. You don't just say, oh, sorry, God, I'm, I won't do it again. Like, spend some time at night. Maybe do this. If you can do this, do it once a month. Ideally, once a week. And if you can, then do it at least once a If you can, a daily. But even if it's once a week, as cool is what the Sahabi used to call this called muhasabatun nafs, retrospection and introspection, where you think about what you've done historically in the past, and then you think deeply within you to figure out what you kind of messed up on. So Sahabi will think about what have I done today that's contributed me, contributed for me to go close to paradise, and what have I done that's led me possibly closer to the fire of hell, the proximity. So mm. you you start thinking, and then you make a genuine, solemn pledge. You know what? I ain't going to do this again. I'm going to stop doing this. So then you istighfar. It's not just a verbal utterance, but it's been backed up. And then you take all of these active steps that we talked about, highlighting the stimuli uh, in your social surrounding, looking at what's actually kicking off, what's the trigger points uh, in your spiritual diet. Uh, and then also that when you do screw up, then you also do a good deed. The, the, the Quran mentions this. In al-hasnat yudhibna sayyat. Right? If, if you do a bad deed, then straight away do a good deed after it. Shaitan will make you feel like, oh, you know, messed up so what? Just, you know, just chill. Just go all the way now. You already are a loser and you're going to go hell probably anyway. That's how the kind of shaitan kind of puts those thoughts in your head. Yeah. But at this point, you go, no, no, no. I'm going to stop and I'm going to try to do something good. Well, if it's totally unrelated, but just to kind of equal out the balance again. The Quran mentions that it's an active step. So the one thing is to stop this sin. Number two is to actually make an absolute... Solemn pledge not to do it again. Then the verbal utterance of Astaghfirullah and seeking God's forgiveness. These are three points when it's connected to Allah on the triangle. The fourth point, when third party sin is involved, you have to go and seek their forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean that you are with your mates and you're making fun out of the size of somebody's nose, for example, and you go to that person and say, I was just chilling with these guys and or I was with her. And we were just talking about the size of your nose because it looks so weird. Can you forgive me, please? Right? You can't be subtle. Kind of, you know, the best way to do it is go to the person and, and say, you know what? I forgive you for if you have in any way unintentionally upset me or harmed me. I hope you can inshallah forgive me too. Right? I mean, God be sly with this kind of stuff. <laughs> and get get your, and do it. That's, it. That's the best way. I was just thinking, you know, I'm going to be so kind today and forgive you. <laughs> You know, I was hoping you can maybe forgive Absolutely. me too. <laughs> I just slayed you for like an hour. <laughs> I think that's that's the best way to do it. That comment on Facebook, you know, kind of was angry. And I've deleted it too. <laughs> I got hacked, bro. <laughs> the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, subhanAllah. So now on to um, some questions. Now, question one is, what if the third party 
doesn't actually forgive you. Yeah, if the third party doesn't forgive you, then get ready to be sued. That's the honest truth. And what you got to do is try your best to be decent to the third party. Try your best to be kind, to be considerate towards them and try to kind of bribe them over to forgive you. If they don't, then you need to do, make sure that you have, so bad deeds kind of weigh you down. So you need to do, you have loads of good deeds to equal out the balance again. So you ask the forgiveness, they're just being really stubborn. Try your best. And and you realize that you've done something wrong. Obviously, don't do that same wrong thing to other people too. You've learned from your mistake. That's spiritual intelligence. You've messed up. They don't want to forgive you. You know what? I'm not going to do this to other people because I already got this debt to deal with. I don't want to be more indebted to someone else. And carrying loads of good deeds, loads of good deeds, loads of good deeds. Okay, cool. Uh, the next question is by uh, submitted by a sister on behalf of her husband. And what she said was that he commits a sin persistently because he actually is unhappy and tries to forget his sorrow through that sin, which of course is only temporary. But he finds himself back in the sin because the situation which has caused him to be unhappy hasn't actually yeah. changed. Um, and he's kind of stuck in this rut. And so, uh, you know, he's going back to the sin as kind of a, a relief. Yeah. Uh, and she didn't mention what the sin was. Uh, and I'm not sure I what think, it might yeah, be. But it's, is this it's a common thing? Back to what we discussing in terms of the sin cycle. It's that obviously we don't commit sin when we're like super happy and we just enjoy ourselves and life is so perfect. And oh, let me disobey God now. Obviously, as human beings, we're prone towards sin when we're feeling low, right? People drink, people get high on drugs. Most likely when people are actually feeling emotionally drained, uh, maybe they, they're in a situation and a predicament, and that predicament is their trigger point. So for this situation, whatever it is, obviously the sin has not been mentioned, is you try to figure out now what exactly it is that's upsetting you, and then trying to create more, like we discussed earlier in the podcast, is more positive outlets. Mm. So for example, if for, if for example, and taking the ex- extreme example, say somebody just wants to go to the casino and gamble some money. This is an example. In that situation, you've got to tone it down and say, you know what? If I just love playing poker, how about I just call my mates over and play some poker and play with some chips and not have money involved in it? Yeah. Right? So if that's kind of toning you down. If it's drinking like crazy, somebody's like really hooked onto drugs or, or, or drinking, then, okay, see what kind of hardcore drugs I'm on and kind of somehow from class A drugs coming down to class C drugs, finding methadone, going into rehab, slowly kind of taking yourself down and then trying to find substitutes for that alternative uh, for that particular thing that's upsetting you so these are kind of things the steps that can help mm-hmm. cool an absolute final question inshallah is somebody said i want this to be answered anonymously he's asking it's kind of a broad question perhaps a different podcast but very quick fire answer inshallah he wants to know how do we stop sinning with regards to the treatment of our parents apparently he's given his parents too much uh a grief yeah. uh so again it's kind yeah. of off topic but i would say first of all parents it's a huge, huge, massive, mountainous bad deed to be disrespectful towards parents. That's just like one of the big no-nos just you don't do. But I can understand that parents can be very difficult to deal with when it comes to marriage, when it comes to, you know, like your future opportunities, university that you want to study, a course you want to do, job that you want to take. Parents can be a bit kind of cultural slash weird. They haven't had the same life opportunities that you've had. And your mindset will be totally different. Uh, in that situation, first of all, if you know that you're upsetting your parents, you need to figure out why you're upsetting them and you really need to immediately stop. Now, if it's things that are beneficial to you, but it's still upsetting your parents, like say, for example, I don't know, something random, uh, like, how can I think of something? 
And maybe just you've taken, you've done a job, for example, you're doing a job, your parents don't want you to move there, but you know, it's good for your career and it's something which is progressive. Then you've got to kind of deal with your parents and say, you know what, this is something for me. Uh, this is, try to convince them as much as possible. Some parents won't budge, right? At the same, it's hard to get yeah. the balance between the two, depending on how you're disrespecting them. But not being rude to them, not answering them back, not being belligerent in your speech, not being argumentative, not using foul language in their presence. Uh, but if there's a difference of viewpoints and opinions, then you can actually sit down and get them included in your decisions that you're making so they understand from the perspective you're coming from. And that will kind of help you deal with some of these situations. And some parents are just absolutely weird. Then you got to kind of figure out, okay, you know what? I'm not going to respond even if they want to kind of offend me, which is really hard. But I'm just going to kind of chill out and do my thing. But I'm not going to kind of stoop down to their level. It's just because they may not have the same kind of understanding that you do. Mm. And we really need to reciprocate that. Okay. Mashallah, thank you for your answer, Sheikh. This episode has been really epic, Mashallah. Just just over an hour, so it was fantastic timing. And before uh, we go, I want to ask you to let the audience know where they can check you out online in a good way. Uh, find you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where do you hang out? What's your what's your Tinder profile? On social media, I'm really, really bad. So I need to be setting everything up. Uh, but my main Facebook page is called Sheikh Abdul Hamid, which I'm sure my brother, inshallah, would be putting into this link. Sheikh Abdul Hamid on Facebook. If you have any questions, absolutely anything that you want to hit me on, question me, just private message me. And I, inshallah, we can deal with some of these problems. Uh, that's my main thing. I have Twitter and stuff, which I'm not using too much, which I need to. But my main thing is on on on, uh, on Facebook, Sheikh Abdul Hamid. Uh, I would also say is... If you guys have any future like topics, like some really hot topics that we want to discuss, then we're going to do this again, inshallah, so on, on any other areas that people really want to focus on. I'd be more than happy, inshallah, to do something else. Fantastic. I was going to make you promise to come back on the show because this has been really beneficial. So Absolutely. awesome. And you know, Sheikh, look, north, until- we're going to do this live too, man. We're going to do this in person. <laughs> guys, look out for our video podcast with, with Sheikh and, and myself, inshallah. Uh, I'll, I'll look forward to having you um, over. Uh, until then, Sheikh, listen, I uh, hope your foot gets better. Thank you so much for increasing our understanding. May Allah bless you and your family and increase you in knowledge and f- make you find even more epic things to read and share with us. Uh, until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Oh, mashallah, what a fantastic show. Big ups to Sheikh Abdul Hamid for joining us today. Now, guys, if you did enjoy having him on the podcast, you're in for some good news. As I mentioned before, he is joining me again for two more shows that are coming out very soon. One on spiritual steroids and balancing between the deen and the dunya. And also one very important show about mental health. Now today's show, mashallah, was quite interesting and of course very eye-opening, especially the whole idea of third-party sin, the fact that if we've wronged somebody else, we really have to go and ask them for forgiveness too. Now guys, if you have something to say about today's episode, the best place to go and start the discussion is in the comment section on today's show notes, which are at deanspiration.com forward slash episode 
10. On that page, you'll also find kind of a summary of what was talked about today, any important links uh, or resources, Sheikh's Facebook page as well, and of course that comment section where you can let us know what you think as well. In fact, here's a question that you can answer for us in the comment section. What do you do when you find yourself constantly sinning over and over again? Have you ever overcome this sin cycle yourself? And if so, what did you personally do to get out of it? Well, guys, that's all from me today. Thank you once again so much for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Stitcher or SoundCloud depending on if you're iPhone or Android users. Again, leave that all-important five-star review. Share the show with friends and family. Let them benefit. Let them listen to it as well. And I promise if you pass on something which is rewarding and good, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to reward you too. Until next time, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, forgive you, so so much for every single sin the first up until the last the biggest and the smallest and everything in between and may he give you tawfiq to leave those sins which you find hard to leave I've been your host Usman until next time Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Allah, 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 Allah,